All right, let's look in uh, Jeremiah 28 tonight. Jeremiah 28. Jeremiah 28. I'm in the book of Jeremiah in my daily Bible reading. And uh, Jeremiah is a very instructive book for preachers. Jeremiah is, uh, I would say, that Jeremiah is the Old Testament equivalent to First and Second Timothy in the New Testament. First and Second Timothy, they First Second First and Second Timothy and Titus, uh, they call those the pastoral epistles. And I, I don't necessarily, I would, I, I'm not sure I'd necessarily say that Jeremiah is the pastoral. Uh, prophet of the Old Testament. Of course, the, the Lord does say a lot to pastors in, in the book of Jeremiah, but not much of it is good. God's got a lot of complaining to do. But uh, Jeremiah is a very instructive book, and it's instructive for preachers. And uh, the thing, it, I've, I've thought this way, but it kind of struck me this way today, reading through the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is really set off to himself. When you read through the book of Jeremiah, God takes Jeremiah and puts him off to by himself. And I'm not talking about as far as the history goes. I'm talking about as far as the way that the book presents Jeremiah, God takes him and puts him off by himself and really lines up a lot of false prophets on the other side. And then even the Lord compares uh, Jeremiah with some other fellows that weren't necessarily false prophets, but they were God's prophets and they were preaching what was right, but maybe they didn't necessarily have the guts that Jeremiah had. And I, I don't want to... Uh, well, let me just say this, regardless of what I want to do, let me just say this. If you're going to do anything for the Lord, man, you've got to have some guts. You've you got to have some guts. If you're going to do anything, period, you're going to have to have some guts because people are going to talk about you. People are going to say mean and nasty things. Now, I've set the tone as far as talking tonight, and, and I am going to preach about preachers and preaching a little bit here this evening, but I'm not necessarily preaching to preachers about preaching. There's a couple of preachers in here, but I'm preaching to the congregation. I'm preaching to you as Christians about preachers. And so, uh, so I, I, I have tried to set the tone a little bit, but let me, just before we even hit that, let me say this. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to have to have some nerves of steel because people's going to talk about you. That's just, that's the fact of the matter. People, people are not generally pleased. Now, uh, there are some folks that are pleased with the will of God, but that's really the minority. And I say this, you should, on a day-to-day -day basis, increase in what uh, pleases you as far as the will of God. There's a lot of things that God lays out in, in His will that's very egregious to the flesh. And you should learn to be uh, disciplined and you should uh, increase your commitment to the Lord and you should uh, get those things under control. You're never going to get things under control to where the things of God are not going to be egregious to the flesh. I hope you understand that. When you got saved, your flesh did not get saved. Your flesh is just as rotten as it ever has been. I think people sit in an independent Baptist church where a preacher's breathing fire and they think, why is this guy so mean? Because you're mean. You are a two-headed snake, man. And we talk about how bad, you know, the deacons are, how bad the song leader is, or, you know, how bad the preacher is, or how bad the politicians are. And we'll, we'll preach about that stuff from time to time as the Lord leads. But at the end of the day, the thing that you have to be reminded of is that you're the biggest
biggest devil in your life. You're the one that gives you the most trouble. You're the one that really hinders you in your own Christian life. And if you don't, if you haven't got to the place, listen to me. If you don't hear nothing else tonight, of course, I do recommend you listen to the rest of the message. I got a lot to say. But if you don't get anything else tonight, you should take this away from this message. Uh, the, if you haven't got to the place to where you suspect yourself, as far as your Christianity goes, if you haven't got to the place to where you suspect yourself and everything that you do, uh, you really haven't got to any place of maturity as a Christian. The Bible says, ironically, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the implied answer from the context is God. God's the one that knows it. Oh, preacher, you just don't know me like I know, know me. Well, I tell you this, you don't know you like God knows you. And that was one of the problems that Peter had. Peter, the apostle, the one who preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. The problem that Peter had was the Lord looked at all the disciples and said, all of you are going to Leave me this night and you're going to betray me. And Peter said, though all men forsake you, I won't, I won't forsake you, Lord. I'll be right with you till the end. And you know, Peter wasn't with him until the end. Now, he did go in, uh, but there was another fellow who was with him to the end, and that was John. And you don't find John bragging too much. Usually the folks that are bragging and saying, oh, no, I'm in this for the long haul, those are the folks that really haven't learned to really suspect themselves. And you haven't got to a place of spiritual maturity if you don't suspect yourself. That's, that's just the simple fact of it. You're the biggest one that you've got to uh, be suspicious of. But all, all that being said, I jumped a couple of fences there and ran several rabbits. But I, I, what I was going to say, this is the first rabbit I got on, was if you're going to do something for God, you're going to have to learn to just knuckle down and bear with it and just learn to endure such contradiction of sinners against yourself. To quote the book of Hebrews, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And listen, I'll say this, a lot of folks is not enduring the contradiction of sinners against themselves. They're enduring the contradiction of a preacher or the contradiction of the Holy Spirit. That, that'd be the better way to put it. A preacher is just God's mouthpiece. That's all a preacher is. This is not my Bible. This is not my truth. This is not my church. You're not my people. You're God's people. This is God's book. This is God's church. This is God's building. This is God's pulpit. All of this belongs to God. And what a lot of folks is doing is they think, oh, all these people is against me because I'm just trying to do right. No, you're doing wrong, and God's against you. And that's a fact. That, that's a fact. And until you get that straight in your mind, you're probably not going to have a whole lot. Of, well, you're definitely not going to have a whole lot of success. But once you start doing something for the Lord and you start dedicating yourself, folks are going to talk. And some folks may even try to kill you. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, he told the disciples, he said, there's going to come a day where folks are going to try and put you to death and they think that they're doing me a great service. Right. We've got to get rid of these fanatics. We've got to get rid of all these crazy people. How come they ain't trying to get rid of all these fanatical Muslims? Yeah. Right. Hmm? How come they ain't trying to get rid of all these fanatical uh, climate change experts? Uh, We've got to get, we gotta get green energy so bad. We've got to get green energy so bad. I've never seen the color of energy anyway. Uh, but anyways, we've got to get this green energy or, or Mother Nature's going to tear us apart. That sounds a little fanatical to me, Brother Clint. That just sounds a little bit weird to me. I'd rather be fanatical about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, got to get an education. Well, you need to get saved. 
Oh, you got to get a good job. Well, you need to get close to God. Oh, you got to get a lot of money in the bank, Brother Nathan. Well, you need to get as close to the Lord as you possibly can because there's coming a day where you're going to get in some trouble. And that money ain't going to do nothing for you. All that money's going to do is just fall. Listen, there's a lot of folks in the turn of the 1900s, they thought that they had it made. And then all of a sudden, the Great Depression came in in a hurry. And folks was killing themselves left and right. You say, why? Because they put their hope in money and not in God. A lot of Baptists is doing that now. A lot of Baptists is putting their hope in money. They're putting their hope in the economy. Boy, if we can just get Trump in this year. Well, listen, I, I vote for Trump. That grieves some of you. I don't care. That's your business. But I vote for, I will vote for Trump if, if they can ever get him on the polls. I mean, they're fighting him tooth and nail trying to keep him off the polls. But anyways, uh, I'd vote for him. But at the end of the day, you can get Trump in office or you can get your favorite candidate in office. They ain't going to fix nothing. That ain't going to fix nothing. Trump is not a savior. <laughs> it's not a savior. Brother Nathan, why are you, why are you saying all this stuff? Because voting season's coming up. And hey, go vote. Go vote. You, you have that ability, don't you? Then go vote. But just make sure when you get in there in the voting polls, you just make sure that you don't treat that like your prayer closet. That's what's wrong with a lot of folks, Brother Clint. They, they started treating the voting polls like it was their prayer closet. Some folks spend more time voting than they do praying. And that's why every year, that's why every two years, every four years, your heart gets ripped to pieces. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You got, it. You got your little idol there. Be that Trump or be that Biden, whoever it is that you're worshiping, you got your little idol there. Amen. Amen. That's true. Well, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You'll get some contradiction that way. You'll, you'll get some resistance that way. But I tell you this, God will be with you. God will be with you. The Lord told Jeremiah in the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, he told him in, in Jeremiah chapter 1, he said, I've ordained you a prophet to the nations. Most prophets in the Old Testament, God sent them just to his people, Israel. Most of them. There's a couple of exceptions. But most of those prophets just went to Israel. But Jeremiah, he said, I'm going to send you to a bunch of people. He said, I'm going to send you to Israel. He said, I'm going to send you to Edom. I'm going to send you to Moab. I'm going to send you to Egypt. I'm going to send you to Babylon. And he said, guess what? None of them's going to like you. He said, they're all going to hate your guts, Jeremiah. Oh, Lord, couldn't you just give me a nicer message? No. Oh, why not, Lord? Because these ain't nice people I'm dealing with, and I need you to give them, give them my mail. That's what he said. I, now, that might be the NIV, the Nathan Ivory version, but that's exactly what he said. I told you this before, but, man, it's so funny to me. A fellow was preaching one time in a church, and some lady came up to him afterwards, and he's preaching, you know, what, what reprobates they were and, you know, dirt bags and how awful people are, just people in general. I mean, he wasn't calling no names. Listen, if a preacher ain't calling your name, how do you know he's talking about you to begin with? I'd like to figure that out. Listen, when you make a beeline to the preacher after a particular sermon and come straight to him, I, why did you say that? I just feel like you don't understand who I am. Well, I, I didn't call your name. How do you know I was talking to you? What you so defensive for? I've never got defensive about something that I didn't feel like I was guilty of. Nathan, did you steal a cookie out of the cookie jar? 
Oh, uh-uh, no, no. Beads of sweat start popping out on your brow. Every time I've never done anything wrong, I've... Rest easy. No, ma'am, I sure didn't. It was my sapsucker brother. <laughs> Don't have to worry about it. Man, I'm in the clear. Well, man, if you're not guilty, you ain't got a guilty conscience. What you worried about? Well, I'm just worried about what you think about me. That's your problem. Uh, get more worried about what God thinks about you. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to preach against everything tonight. I've got a lot of liberty in here this evening. That's dangerous. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, pray that you'd meet with us and help us. Pray you'd bless the preaching, God. Lord, thank you, God, Lord, for what a great God you are. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for something, God, that's stable through the years, God. Lord, ever since this book been put together, God, ever since you've been inspiring men, God, to preach, and Lord, put your word on, on printed paper, God, Lord, this book's been stable, God. The whole world is falling falling apart. God, this nation falls apart and this one falls apart. But God, Lord, looking back through uh, time, Lord, and through all of the events of history, God, your book still stands. And God, we thank you for it, Lord. You said, God, forever, oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God, we thank you for that. Lord, pray that you'd help me, God, Lord, to preach a little while tonight. God, give me the liberty, Lord, that I need. Help me to say everything, Lord, that needs to be said. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Jerry, Jeremiah 28. Jeremiah 28 is where we're at. I, I hope you're there. I'm going to try to preach to you a little bit tonight about the posture of a prophet. The posture of a prophet. Now, when you think about posture, you probably think about how the fact that I'm hunched over a little bit right now. That is a horrible habit, and i got to get out of that. Uh, but anyways, that's usually what you think about when you think of posture. You know, somebody sitting in their big, easy boy, lazy boy recliner, you know, kind of slouched down. And somebody, your mother usually come by, hey, Sit up straight. That's bad posture. But the word posture really has to do with, in a general sense, not just talking about your body. I see some of you sitting up straight now. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know you was going to get preached that about health class tonight, did you? I, that's not what I'm talking about at all. Uh, posture, in a general sense, the word means your situation in regard or a situation in regard to something else. It's, it's how you're situated. I think you can see that in the idea of posture. But it's in regards to something else. Uh, you know what makes you look like uh, you got bad posture when you slouched over like this? Just take your plumb line and hold it up there. Y'all know what a plumb line is, don't you? That's what I think makes a brick mason lay his bricks straight. I don't think they used that here on People's Baptist when they was laying these blocks. But either way, you go right back here, right back here to the back of the building, and there's about that much of a gap where the bricks on top are over, <laughs> overlaid. Uh, these folks must have been smoking weed back in the 70s when they was putting this building together. That's all I got. Or drinking. Something was going on. But you take that plumb line and hold it up, and a guy slouched over like this, and you go, ugh, that looks weird. Or if a fella's supposed to, you know, be sitting up straight in his seat, and he kind of slouched down like this. Well, you know, your situation in regards to something else don't quite look right. Well, you know, a prophet has posture. He's got a posture that he's supposed to maintain. But before we even examine his posture, we've got to talk about for just a second what it, how he's situated in regards to something else. Well, what's the something else that he's supposed to be situated right with? And the answer is God. God. When God calls a preacher to preach, God calls him to preach God's message. Yep. Yep. 
God don't call him to preach the message that he necessarily wants to preach. Now, it's a wonderful thing if a preacher gets a sermon and, boy, it's something that God gave to him and the preacher looks at it and says, yeah, man, I want to preach this. But there's been many a days I've sat in my office and God gave me something to preach and I looked at it and thought about the people that were sitting in the auditorium or thought about the people that I was going to go be preaching to, maybe a funeral. Uh, I would say a wedding, but I don't typically preach at weddings. Weddings is forgetting married yep. not for preaching yep. that's just a personal thing I mean you know if you want me to preach at your wedding I'll preach but I got a feeling the sermon's not going to be very long uh, weddings is for getting married and eating uh, show me at the marriage supper of the lamb where there's going to be preaching show me you know what that's going to be at the marriage supper of the lamb supper hello Y'all backslid as hell. I know y'all ain't Baptists. The Methodist has come here tonight. If y'all's Baptists, y'all be tearing the roof off this place. That's right, preacher. Uh, y'all lost. Y'all lost out of your mind. Y'all don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, but anyways, I, that messed me up so bad, I have to come back and find out where I was to begin with. Uh, but uh, talking about when, when God, uh, there's been a lot of times I've pulled out, a, uh, God gave me something to preach, and I looked at it and thought, man, this is not going to be, this is not going to put me on the uh, top 100 preachers list. This is not going to get me any invitations uh, to go preach at a Sword of the Lord conference. I, this is just not going to get me in good with the Southern Baptist Convention. It's probably not going to be a very fun message to preach. And you can usually tell that it's not a popular message when people are sitting there going like this. Uh, that's your first clue that this is not going over very well. But you know, God didn't call you to preach if it goes over well. God called a preacher to preach regardless of the attitude of the people. God called a preacher to preach regardless, regardless. You say, Brother Nathan, why are you preaching a sermon like this? Because I'll probably need it in about four weeks. Staring at a bunch of backslidden Baptists who are unenthusiastic about their religion. I'll probably need this in a couple of weeks. God didn't call a preacher to preach. You said, Brother Nathan, are we backslidden? I don't know. Are you? You might be. You might not. I don't know. I'll let the Lord work, that, work on, on you about that. But God didn't call a preacher to preach based on the people's enthusiasm. God called a preacher to preach based on, hey, this is, this is what God said. This is my word. Take this word and take it down there to those people and just deliver the mail. And sometimes he stands up behind the pulpit and he speaks. And sometimes he gets real loud and he gets real dynamic and he gets in your face and spits all over the place. But however, it's supposed to be God's word through and through. It's supposed to be God's word through and through. Yes, sir. Because God called a man, God calls men to preach. And listen, God's still calling people to preach today. God's still calling men to preach today. And listen, I, don't, don't, ever get the, don't, don't ever get it in your mind that there's going to come a time where God is going to quit dealing with men about taking his word and putting their finger, finger in people's faces and saying, thus saith the Lord. Don't ever get your mind set on the fact that that's going to stop somewhere. Even in the tribulation, God seals 144,000 male virgin Jews and sends them out to the four corners of the earth and says, get out there and start preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And they get out there and they start preaching. And it seems like to me that some of them get their heads cut off. But that, pay no mind to that. 
pay no mind to that. They're probably going to try and shoot you and cuss you out and slander you and cut your head off. And the recovering fundamentalist is going to fuss at you, but just keep preaching. Just keep preaching. Just keep putting the word out and just let God deal with the whole thing. Just let God deal with it. Uh, whether they sit there and they shout you down, whether they sit there and say, hallelujah, that's good preaching, or whether they sit there and look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. You just keep preaching and just let it roll. Just let the chips fall where they may. I like that saying. Just let the, let the chips fall where they may. Some folks is going to get right. Some folks is going to get out. Some folks is going to get in touch with God and some folks is going to get in touch with the devil or their wife. Brother Nathan, did you call some wives the devil? No, what I'm saying is some fellas is more in touch with their wives than they are with God. I, I'm, I'm in touch with my wife, but I don't want to be more in touch with my wife than I am with the Lord. And I don't, I, frankly, I don't want my wife to be more in touch with me than she is with God. Half of the time, I, I feel like I'm backslid. It'd do me good to get around somebody that's spiritual. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. But you're talking about the posture of a prophet. And I don't know of a better place. I don't know of a better place to consider that than coming right here to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had everybody against him. Everybody against him. I kind of believe. I, I don't kind of believe. I believe with all of my heart that if everybody's for what you're doing as a preacher, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it all wrong. All of it is wrong. If people like what you're doing, you need to change something and do it to where it makes them mad. You say, Brother Nathan, that's a very contrary attitude. That's because most folks is backslid as the devil and they need to get right with God. Yeah. That's a fact. You say, Brother Nathan, you surely don't believe that. Pretty close, 100% of the time. You start preaching for too long and folks is always sitting there going like this. I mean, if they're sitting there going like this and you're not ripping their face off, you're probably doing something incorrect. You need to get things right. John Wesley one of the greatest preachers this country's ever seen. One of the greatest preachers that, New, that England ever seen. I almost said New England. England, Great Britain. One of the greatest preachers they ever seen. He said, I don't believe somebody can get saved before they get mad two or three times. I'm beginning to wonder that myself. You know, this weepy come down to the altar and, oh, yes, I just love Jesus. I, I don't know. I don't know. You've never been mad about what somebody told you? You are a sinner. You are a sinner of the worst kind. You don't know me. You're still the sinner of the worst kind. Your nose is big, your feet stink, and you don't love Jesus. Brother Nathan, why do you got to make it personal? Well, I, I try not to make it personal, but I know this for all of sin and come short of But you see how diplomatic that sounds? You know what the biggest problem in churches is? Folks are just comfortable. They're just way too comfortable. Get in here comfortable, comfortable physically. Get in here padded, padded seats. I almost said padded pews. Padded seats. The temperature is almost just right. For some of you, it's too hot. For some of you, it's too cold. For some of you, Goldilocks, it's just right. Huh? Get everything just right and, you know, begin to line up all the, the building with all the nice furnishings and get the heating and air just right. And folks, just get in here and just go right to sleep. Hmm? Get church services down to a program. Get them down to a routine. And folks get in here and they just get comfortable and they just go right to sleep. Spiritually. Just. That's the song that they're singing. Some is singing Amazing Grace. Some is singing Do Not Pass Me By. And some is singing. 
Or as Curly says, beep, 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 beep. Hmm? Ain't that right? That's about what a preacher hears sometimes when he's preaching to folks. But you know what he's supposed to do? He's supposed to preach just the same way. You know why folks don't like preaching this day and age? I, I made that comment the other day, and I think I was standing right over here. It might have been intended for Brother Clint. I don't know. Uh, but I was standing right over here. You know, all these ladies want to have all these ladies' meetings, but they don't want to come to church on Wednesday night, and they don't want to come to church on Sunday night. Hey, I'd, I'd like to have a spaghetti dinner once a week, preacher. Well, I mean, we got meetings here three times a week. Why don't you want to come to those? And I, I believe what it is is that there's something repulsive about what's going on in church, just not spaghetti dinners. And the thing that's repulsive is preaching. It's just preaching. People don't like preaching. They don't like an obnoxious preacher. They, they can take obnoxious sports fans. God knows they can deal with an obnoxious politician. But if a preacher gets in their face like Trump or Biden does or Camel Harris or whoever, I don't know, whoever it is. Some of you, so, you're so mad right now because I'm making fun of these politicians. Some of you are so upset about that. You need to get over that stuff because I'm going to keep making fun of them. I'm going to keep making fun of them. You say, well, I'm going to leave this church. I'm going to make fun of them after you leave too. We'll record it and we'll put it online and you can go back and see that that preacher's still making fun of them after you left. Amen. Because that stuff needs to be, because you take it too serious. Amen. You take it, oh, it is serious. Then why ain't you out doing something about it right now? How come you ain't praying about it? Some of you folks are so upset about what a preacher says about a politician, but you ain't spent five minutes worth of prayer in the last 15 years. But all that preacher said something. He said, Camel Harris, can you believe they... He said that because she's black. No. I ain't against no black man. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. You just get, you need to get over that stuff. You need to let loose of that stuff. And you need to start taking God as serious. You need to start, start taking God as serious as you take politics. Hey, I believe with all my heart the country's in bad shape. But what's going to fix it is not politics. What's going to fix it is some preachers getting up and saying, Thus saith the Lord. And some church members that start sitting there and saying, Yeah, boy, I think, I think he's preaching God's word. Boy, we better start doing something about this. That, that's the only thing that's going to help folks. That's the only thing that's going to change folks. Uh, see, the problem with a lot of folks is that they got, they got wrong expectations. And the reason that they got wrong expectations is because they've been staring at TV for too long. When they think preacher, they think Joel Osteen. Joyce Myers. Joyce Meyer couldn't preach her way out of a wet paper bag. Amen. You say, you're saying that because she's a woman. You're exactly right. Amen. That's exactly why I'm saying it. Amen. Brother Nathan, I've, we had a lady leave here one time because I just can't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't stand Brother Nathan's views on women. I don't, I don't have nasty views towards women. I don't have ill views toward women. There's a lot of women right in this church that I love with all of my heart in an appropriate way. I don't mean that inappropriately. I think that's understood. And if it's not, that's your problem, not mine. But anyways, uh, I say that about Joyce Meyer because God never called a woman to pastor a church. Pastor's supposed to be the husband of one wife. 
right, you choke on that. Not me. That's not, that's not on me. Uh, but folks got the wrong expectations about things. They got the wrong expectations about things. When, Brother Nathan, you haven't even read Jeremiah 28 yet. I know I'm warming up. Just give me a second. I'll get there here in just a second. When, when Paul was talking, when Paul was talking about who he was as a preacher, you know, Paul gives you four things in 2 Corinthians about his style of preaching. Did you know that? Let, let me read them to you. We won't turn to all of them because it'll add, you know, 45 minutes onto the sermon course. I don't know. We might need to do that. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, we use great plainness of speech. Paul was a plain talker. Second uh, Corinthians chapter seven verse eleven, he said, "We we're, we're, we use great boldness in our speech." In Second Corinthians ten verse ten, he says, "He says you folks down there say that my speech is contemptible." And in Second Corinthians eleven verse six, he says, "I'm rude in speech." Now let me ask you something, Jack. You tell me the number of preachers that you know of. Count them. The number of preachers that you know of that fit into those categories. They preach plain. They preach bold. Their speech is contemptible and rude. Amen. That's coarse. Rude is coarse. You know, it's not calling people fat or something like that. That's not what we're talking about. It's a coarse way of talking. Just a straight shooter. Don't beat around the bush. Hey, come out and say it. Don't polish it up. Just come out and say what you're thinking. See, the reason that folks get mad at a preacher is because they used to, some politician talking to them. That's the stuff that they're used to. They used to being babied from Fox News. And then a preacher gets up and said, no, this is just the way that it is. Well, I just don't see it that way. Who cares? You're stupid. God's smart. I, I mean, what do you want? Well, can't you say it some other way? Well, I mean, you know, if I went to seminary, maybe I could, but I didn't. Uh, one of these boys, James, came to me uh, over there in the fellowship hall, and he said, Brother Nathan, he said, where'd you go to Bible school at? I said, Sunday school. Yeah. I heard Brother Mike say that from the pulpit one time, and I've been waiting for somebody to ask me. I was like, yes. As soon as he asked, I thought, here's my chance. Sunday school. And he said, oh, Okay. And I thought, gotcha. That, that's true. Yes, sir. So everything that I learned, you can blame it on Brother Mike. Amen. And I'm happy about it. I'm not bitter about it neither. Jeremiah 28, let's look right here. That's my introduction. Verse 1, and it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign as Zedekiah. I'm, a, I'm almost wore out. We may have to preach part two Sunday night. This has been so fun, I wore myself out. And it came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azer, the prophet, which was, at, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and of all the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Now, if you know anything about the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah has been preaching. He's been raising sand, yeah. raising Cain, saying, God said, y'all backslid. And if you don't get right and quit worshiping these idols, God's going to send Nebuchadnezzar down here to knock a knot on your head and carry away all of you folks, uh, well, at least all the people that he lets live, he's going to carry them down into captivity into Babylon. That's how Daniel got down there, by the way. Jeremiah was the blessed preacher that God called to bear those wonderful great tidings of great joy. 
Jeremiah, here's your job. You're going to let me preach and tell everybody that Jesus is about to be born. They didn't know what his name was going to be. All they knew was Emmanuel. That's Isaiah. Uh, you're going to let me preach that Jesus is going to be born. No, I'm going to let you tell all these reprobates that they're fixing to go into captivity down in Babylon. What about Jonah? Couldn't you get Jonah to do that? He was actually upset that people got right with you. you I think Jonah would be a better fit for this. God said, no, it's you. Jeremiah, you're the guy. You're going to go tell them that I'm going to send them down into captivity. Now here's a fellow that's stepping forward and saying, hey, in two years, God is going to break the yoke off of your neck of the king of Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, God is going to give you deliverance. You know, what the, you know what the problem with that guy is, though? He missed one important part of the equation of God giving deliverance to his people. One important part. You know what it was? Repentance. Right. And I came through and said, hey, God's going to break this yoke off of, off of your neck, this yoke of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, man, God's going to let you guys go back to Jerusalem. God's going to let you go back and enjoy the land, put you back in peace and prosperity just like it was before. Never said one word to him about you better get right with God, though. Never said one thing about that. You know how you can spot a false preacher, a false prophet? You know how you can spot them? They tell you that God's going to send you deliverance, but there's, no, there's never any kind of demand to repent. Never any kind of demand. It's going to be, hey, something good is going to happen to you today. But that's regardless of whether you get right with God or not. That's the message that's being preached right now. God wants you to be a be wants you to be your better you. Yeah. Well, you ain't gonna be a better nothing if you don't get right with him. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The the truth, the verse that somebody told you before you got saved, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. That's a truth. Yeah. Every man at his best state is altogether vanity. That's still true about you today. Yeah. Every man, so I get up and I go to work and I pay my bills on time and I've got a doctorate's degree. Every man at his best state is altogether vanity. That goes for every woman as well. Every woman at her best state is altogether vanity. That means vain. There ain't nothing to it. What's wrong with some of you folks sitting right in this building that somebody has told you over and over again, you're something, you're something, you're something, you're all that. This world is about you, and you can do anything that you want to do. But I got news for you, honey. You ain't going to do nothing that God don't let you do. If God don't give you the permission and God don't give you the power, see, what your problem is, you're so full of yourself. You're so high and mighty and inflated, and you got such a puffed up mindset about yourself. But you ain't going to do nothing. You ain't going to do nothing unless God lets you do it. Unless God gives you the power, unless God gives you the ability, unless God gives you the wealth, you ain't doing nothing. I don't care what some moron told you, even if that moron's your mama and daddy, they don't know what they're talking about. There's a God in heaven who knows what he's talking about. So, Brother Nathan, why you got to make it so personal? I'm not trying to make it personal. I don't even know most of your mamas and that. Of course, I do know yours. But that's about it. I know hers. <laughs> Not personal. Oh, you, you're so smart. You're going to be a genius when you grow up. You might. You might be dumber than a barrel of hammers and have to dig ditches for the rest of your life. 
But hey, if you got the hand of God on your life and God will touch you and God will help you and God will minister to you, you'd be happier digging ditches, making $5 an hour than you would be sitting uh, with a suit and tie on and as some CEO making six figures every year. You'd be satisfied. That's a fact. That's a fact. God didn't make you to sit behind a desk and stare at a computer screen. God made you to fellowship with him. God made you to serve him. Huh? What's wrong, with, what's wrong with a lot of folks is they're spending all their time trying to f- find famil- f- fulfillment somewhere other than what g- God designed them for. That's the truth. Oh, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be rosy. It ain't going to be if you don't repent. Huh? Oh, this church is such a wonderful church. You give it about two weeks where people start hardening their heart. Hmm? Quit visiting an altar. Quit coming to the altar. Quit praising the Lord. Somebody say amen and everybody else just sit there. Drool coming out the side of their mouth. Let me get my hanky. I'll wipe it off your face. Hmm? Hey, without God, this ain't this ain't nothing. No kind of a church. This is just one more building. It's full of whoever. Whoever. You know what some folks are hearing right now? The only thing that some folks are hearing is, that preacher thinks he's better than me. That's the only thing they can hear. That preacher thinks he's better than me. No, what you don't understand is, I don't believe that I'm better than anybody. But see, I, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, ain't that what you did when you got saved? Didn't you accept the fact, Lord, I'm not better than you? Well, why are you having such a hard time accepting that now? God saved you and made you so wonderful, didn't he? He's still working on me to make me what ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and stars. I really like that song, to be honest with you. I think it's so dweeby, but it's true. It's true. God worked all this stuff out in the matter of a week. And it, however old you are, he's still working on you. Boy, you must be a rebel. You don't know me, preacher. I'm looking at you. I mean, what, what else do I need? It's not personal. Some of you may have missed that message on Sunday, but I have to preach it next Sunday. It's all going to be good. Not if you don't repent. Not if you don't repent. You know what repentance will give you? It'll give you hope. Hmm? Give you hope. Hey, listen, a lot of folks are sitting, they're going to go home, Brother Clinton. They're going to sit on the edge of their bed tonight, and they're going to sit right there with no hope in sight. And the only thing that it would take to turn that all around is... Oh, God, I'm, I'm a wretch. God, would you please forgive an idiot like me? Hmm? Sun, sunlight would finally shine into their soul. Give you great hope. Give you great hope. That's what repentance will do. Verse 3, he said, Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. And I will bring again to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. I preached the point before I read the verses. I guess that ain't good in seminary neither. 
I'll get it straight eventually. Y'all keep praying for me. Verse 5, Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. Look at Jeremiah's response right here in verse 6. Even the prophet Jeremiah, he, he wanted you to know who he was talking about. It's Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah. Do, do you know this guy who's been going through and preaching uh, doom and gloom, a prophet of despair? That Jeremiah, look at what he says. He says, Amen. The Lord do so. Listen, Hananiah is a false prophet. And he comes in and he says, God sent me a word. When somebody comes to you and says, God gave me a word, you better be careful. When somebody comes to you and says, God gave me a word, Brother Wyatt, you better go, show me. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Show me where it's at. No, no, no. God spoke to my heart. Show me what verse he used. Got a little resistance there. Hmm? I believe God speaks to people. I believe God speaks to me, but he uses his book to do so. The word of the Lord came unto Nathan Ivory. Where did it come? Usually sitting right back there in my office. Of course. God has spoke to me before when I wasn't sitting behind a desk and I didn't have an open Bible. But usually what he does is he brings to mind some verse that I read or something that a preacher preached from a verse that he read. It's the book. huh? Here comes Hananiah and he's this false prophet and he says, hey, God gave me a word. God is going to break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar off the neck of us Israelites and God's going to send us back into the land and God's going to let everything that Nebuchadnezzar took out of the house of the Lord, he's going to let it go back to the house of God. And Jeremiah sat back there and said, this good news, I can't stand this. No, that's not what he said. You know what he said? Amen. The Lord do so. You know why? Because Jeremiah's a man. He's a human being just like anybody else that he's preaching to. He's an individual just like Hananiah. Listen, no prophet in his right mind is sitting back and saying, boy, I really hope God gets Dylan. Dylan did this and Dylan did that and boy, I really hope God kills him for it. You say, Brother Nathan, I know some people like that. Well, they better get right with God. Because that ain't, that ain't the attitude of a prophet. Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down and burn up our enemies like Elijah did in the Old Testament? And Jesus looked at him and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. There's a time and a place for that kind of stuff. Jesus said, now, now is not the time. He said, the come of man is not, he said, the son of man is not come to destroy men, but to save them. Hmm? I wonder what God could do to get Brother Tommy over there. You know, Brother Tommy, well, Brother Tommy's got all this stuff, man, and it just ain't right for some people to just have all this stuff. Well, first of all, what, what is that in your business to begin with? Yeah, right. Brother Tommy, I'm not trying to embarrass you or nothing like that. I don't mean anything by that. What business is that of yours anyway? Yeah. And second of all, why don't, if you're so mad and so jealous, why don't you pray God give him double? I mean, if it really burns you, if it really galls you hide, and be anybody, if it really galls you hide that somebody else has got money and you don't have any, why don't you get out and do what they did to get it all? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
I mean, unless that includes robbing a bank, then then you got a point. <laughs> we'll pray about that. Why'd it get so quiet right there? Huh? God, God gave you two hands. God gave you two feet. God gave you a brain to think with. Why don't you sit down and try to figure out a way to make money? Hey, if you're satisfied, listen. If, you're, if all you can do for the rest of your life is dig ditches, then just be satisfied with that. But if you've got some intelligence, huh? I'm going to go against something that I said on Sunday. Go to school. Hmm? Brother Nathan believes that school, nobody should go to school. Well, if you're going to worship the education, yeah, you probably shouldn't. You should probably stop going right now and just go dig ditches because that'll probably keep you closer to God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but if you can realize that your education's not all that, go get you a doctor's degree. Yeah. I don't know what a doctor's degree can do for you. I really don't. I don't care. But if you can get a doctor's degree and stay in church, And stay in church, read your Bible and pray and have close fellowship with God, get your doctor's degree and make a bunch of money. Hmm? Yes, sir. Amen. Figured I'd just throw that right in there. Now, where was I? That was a rabbit trail. Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. Now watch what he says. Nevertheless, this is Jeremiah talking. Nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in, and in the ears of all the people. The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. You know what he's saying? He's saying, he said, man, if God's going to do exactly what you're saying, Hananiah, the Lord do so, man. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to Jerusalem. Let God send us back and give us great deliverance. He said, but something about this sermon don't sound right. He said, because all the prophets that have come before me and all the prophets that have come before you, he said, it was just hellfire and brimstone. Judgment this, judgment that, judgment this, judgment that. He said, this don't sound like the old time way. That's what, that's what Jeremiah's saying right there in the passage. Read it. Don't sound right because this is not what our forefathers would have preached. I would like for you to go tell me, go find me a sermon by Jonathan Edwards where Jonathan Edwards sounded like he was preaching a Joel Osteen sermon. I got, a, I got a set of books in my office. I let Emma read one of the sermons out of there. And it's by a guy named Samuel Davies. And Samuel Davies was Patrick Henry's pastor. Patrick Henry was a great Virginia orator. And he really knew uh, how to get folks stirred up. You know where he learned to speak? You know where he learned to speak publicly? From his pastor. He got his sermons in writing and read them and studied them and figured out how to talk. And he became one of the most successful orators in the colonies in the 1700s. I'd like for you to go dig through those three volumes of those sermons that I have by Samuel Davies and show me where Samuel Davies was preaching uh, fluffy uh, marshmallow sermons like 
Benny Hinn or Joyce Myers. Hmm? Chuck Swindoll. Brother Nathan, what you got against Chuck Swindoll? I don't know. Why don't you just figure out what he believes? You may tell you what he believes? Nothing. Amen. You're welcome. Y'all even know who Chuck Swindoll is? I know. I'm kicking some of y'all's God now. Uh, uh, that, that's up to you. If I could think of some more names. Jimmy Swaggart. Y'all know who Jimmy Swaggart is? You can lose your salvation until it gets busted messing around with prostitutes and homosexuals. Then you can't lose your salvation. Well, Brother Nathan, they're on TV. Ain't they great preachers? I don't know. I'd be suspicious, though. Huh? If it's in, de if it's in high demand from the masses, it's probably bad. It's true. It's true. If everybody likes it, it ain't right. You can almost mark it down. You can almost mark it down. Brother Nathan, you really live that way? Well, the Bible says this world's run by the God of this world. Amen. Amen. The Lord so do. Now, he said, verse 8, he said, The prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great kingdoms of war and of evil and of pestilence. The prophet which prophesieth of peace, when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord truly hath sent him. He said, you know what Jeremiah's saying? We'll see. We'll see. You know how you can mark a, a right prophet, a preacher who's really preaching the truth? It's when what he's saying really comes to pass. Now, you know what, what's really interesting about that in the New Testament church? Men have been preaching, Brother Curtis, ever since Christ died, was buried, and he rose again the third day. Men have been preaching, you better trust Christ or you're going to die in your sins and go to hell. Let me ask you a question. This is not a trick question. Have you ever literally physically seen somebody go to hell? Not one. So how do you know it's come to pass? See what I'm saying? Boy, it calls for faith. You got to open that book and you got to believe it. Either God meant what he said or he didn't. I'm putting, my, I'm putting all my chips on what he said. All of them. No reserves. That's why I trusted Christ. Seven-year-old boy, I got under conviction of my sin and realized I was, I was doomed and damned for hell, man. Preacher stood up and told me Jesus loved me and sent it, God sent his son to die for my sins. I cashed in on that, man. I, got, I went down to an altar and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I need to be saved. You say, what happened? God saved my soul right there on the spot. No baptism. No rosary beads. No, no baptism. No Hail Marys. No baptism. Baptism don't do anything except get you wet. And if your baby don't do nothing but get you wet and make you mad. Huh? Don't put you into no covenant. It's not even a good bath. It's true. It's true. A lot of Baptists are going to die and go to hell right off the church pew because they trusting in their baptism. I mean, we're Baptists. We got, I mean, we've got to be baptized. Baptism don't do anything. Baptism is not spiritual new birth. It's not spiritual regeneration. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you baptize, no, it's not even in there. Ethiopian eunuch 
asked Philip, he said, what, he said, what doth hinder me from being baptized? He said, if you believe with all your heart, he said, you can be baptized. That Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe. Okay, let's go. Amen. It's not water. Yeah. It's have you trusted Jesus Christ to take away your sins. Yeah. And if you ain't trusting that, you, you on your way to hell this evening. Not happy about that, but I'm telling you the solution. Jesus died for your sins. And if you call on him, if you call on him in simple childlike faith, he'll save your soul. You too proud to do that though? People, people think I'm already saved. What difference is that going to make the first five minutes in hell? Huh? I've been faking my way through. I thought, I thought baptism really was salvation. Well, I don't necessarily entirely blame that on you. Of course, if you've got a Bible, I do put some of that on you. Yeah. You know what I thought about today, Brother Curtis? There ain't no man going to go to judgment blind. No man. No man's going to go to judgment blind. No man's going to wind up in hell. No man's going to wind up with his life tore apart and say, I just didn't know. He's not going to be able to. He got one of these. Huh? You're looking for the truth? God will give it to you. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, Jeremiah said, we'll see. Now look at what the Lord said. Verse 10, Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and brake it. And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two years. Not, he's saying not only is God going to deliver us, God's going to deliver every nation that Babylon's taken into captivity. That's a big statement. It's a big statement. You better be right when you make big statements like that. Yeah. Hey, when you say that people better trust Jesus Christ as their Savior in order to go to heaven, you better be right about a statement about that, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right about it. It's yeah. what God said. Amen. Yeah. Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5. Yeah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that if thou shalt... Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right, that's sermon number two over there. Let's get back to this one. He, look here in verse uh, 11. Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet Jeremiah went his way. Then the, Lord, then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet, after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. And I've given him the beasts of the field also. God said, I ain't just giving him all the people. He said, I've given him all the animals in all those lands. <laughs> oh. Before you go deer hunting, you better check with Nebuchadnezzar. That's what God, that's what he said right there. Those ain't your deer. That ain't the deer that belong in Israel. I don't even know if they got white tails over there. I think they got these little roe deer over there. I see it pop up in the Bible all the time. Thou hast made my feet like hind's feet. Those little deer, tiny, they're like puppies. 
You think they got, you, we got small deer here? Uh, you need to go see them roe deer, man. They're tiny. Ain't they small? Man. Well, I know something that Brother Tommy don't know about hunting, man. I, I feel like I'm actually smart. <laughs> you ever seen a lion? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yep, yeah, that's, that's, that's the king's deer. Yes, sir, that's what he's saying. Now, verse 15. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Hey, did you know that a preacher just can't make things up to encourage people? We just want to be encouraged, preacher. Well, what do you want me to do, lie to you? Hey, some people do. I ask that as a rhetorical question, but some people really do want a preacher to lie to them just for the sake of encouraging them. That's a fact. You say, Brother Nathan, why would you say something like that? Then why is it when a preacher gets up in a church like Brother Mike told you when he first came to this church and preached one hard sermon and it dwindles from 60 to 12? Well, I mean, if it's true, I mean, if you open it up the Bible and it says what it says and the preacher's not deviating from what it says, why? Like, why, why would you run from that? Man, that would be the thing I'd be running to. Hmm? Whether the preacher was 65, 35, or 15, I'd be running right to it, man. And if I couldn't take preaching from a 15-year-old, I'd get down on my heart and say, God, help me. Lord, help me to have some humility about this thing. But some folks would just rather have somebody lie to them. Listen, listen. I know that most Americans ain't concerned with the truth because all these politicians get up and lie to them every, uh, every season when presidents... Uh, get voted on and re uh, representatives and senators and mayors and sheriffs and sheriffs and sheriffs and sheriffs and sheriffs. I'm going to find it very hard to vote for a sheriff in Charlton County who his attitude towards drugs is don't poke the bear. Tell him I said so. Tell him I said so. And tell him I said it in church too. I find it very difficult to preach, uh, to, to vote for a, a sheriff like that. Well, if you don't vote for him, somebody else is going to get him. They might be better. They might actually put together a tactical team and start busting doors down. Start running some of these dope heads out of Charlton County. Run them back into Jacksonville. Get Jacksonville to do something about it. Huh? Yes, sir. I think what the issue is, a lot of these cops is in on this stuff. I think what's going on is a lot of these sheriffs are in on this stuff. Hmm? Every time it comes around to voting season, oh, we got this big drug bust. Boy, that's real convenient, ain't it? Get you in for another four years, won't it? But folks go, folks go right to the polls. Check. Going to click that box, man. You know why? Because people don't care about what's true anymore. They, would, they really want somebody to lie to them just so that they can sit there in their own mind and think, everything's going to be all right. If I vote for this guy, everything's going to be all right. If I vote for this guy, maybe things will turn around. That's just the way people want to live. 
Yes, sir. And what Jeremiah did is he got in there and he didn't go to the people and preach a message to the people. He got down there to the preachers that were preaching falsehood and he said, you're making this people to trust in a lie. It's not all these people. Brother Clint's not called to preach, so I'm going to put my finger in his face. He said, he said, it's not all these people that need to get right with God. He said, you're the reprobate. You know why America's falling apart? It's because of the preachers. That's why some of you sitting in here tonight and you're about to have a cow because Brother Nathan won't shut up and he said all this politically incorrect stuff. Why won't he just stop? Don't he see that I don't want to be here no more? I do, but I don't care. Uh, God didn't call you to pastor this church and he didn't call you to preach. He called me to pastor and he called me to preach and I got a responsibility and I'm almost done with the chapter. Let me finish so we don't have part two. Man, make you mad enough, I might preach it again. If I find out it makes you mad, I'll come and preach it again Sunday morning. Just out of spite. Because I love you. I love you. I really do. I really do. I pray for you on a regular basis. I really do. He said, Thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, verse 16, Behold, I will cast thee off from the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die. Look at that last statement. Because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. Listen. Listen to me. What did Hananiah tell these people to do that was rebellious against the Lord? What did he tell them to do? Hey, go, go worship Baal. Is that what he told them to do? He didn't tell them to do anything. That's wild, ain't it? He said, you taught this people rebellion against the Lord. How did I do that? You gave them a false sense of hope. You gave them a sense of hope without telling them that they got to get right with God. Everything's going to be all right. Well, what about my relationship with God? Don't worry about that. Everything will be okay. Just keep your head up, keep putting money in the plate, and keep coming. Everything will be all right. Hey, I'm going to tell you, sitting in here this evening, I'm glad you're here, every single one of you. I wish some more folks was here. But listen, I'm telling you, you come keep putting money in the plate and keep showing up at church, your life's still going to fall apart if you don't get right with God. And some folks are more worried about being right with folks in the church than they are with being right with God. Huh? None of those people down there like me. Does God like you? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I, I got a sneaking suspicion if God's for you, these people's for you. They may just not know you. Everybody down there at that church is just not friendly, Brother Clint. I've never heard that said about this church. Never heard that said. But I will say this, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. It's going to be kind of hard to throw rocks at folks about being unfriendly or whatever if you're not friendly. Friendliness is a two-way street, man. You know, when somebody reaches out their their hand and says, hey, how you doing? And you go. (laughs) Once, people are probably going to think, well, you know, maybe something's going on in their life, you know. Who knows? Uh, they wait a month and they come back and, hey, how you doing? And, Twice is all it'd take for me. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be good. I'm good. Yeah. I can't handle rejection. <laughs> Hurts my feelings. 
I go home and stay up all night. Heidi have to rock me asleep in the baby cradle. Hmm? I <laughs> Was that a fat joke? <laughs> uh, huh? It's true. It's true. You taught rebellion against the Lord. You're going to die because you taught people to be rebellious against the Lord. Why? Well, what's he say right there? Because thou makest this people to trust in a lie. You know what churches are filled, of, filled with today? Rebels. Oh, you can't tell me. How dare a preacher tell me what I'm supposed to do about anything, about anything. You know why it's filled with people like that? Because the pulpits are filled with lies. The fault's right there. It's right there. Boy, the church is so cold. That's because of the six-foot icicle standing in the pulpit. Go into a church and you can ice skate up and down the aisles? Probably because of that guy right there. Huh? Well, what's he got to do? Just preach, man. Just haul off and preach and let folks have it right between the eyes. Yeah, but they're going to leave. Let them go, man. Let them go. Folks, listen. A church can't operate without people. This is not a competition to try and see who we can run off. But the individual is not that important. I've seen it more than once. This church has seen it more than once, seen it more than twice, seen it more than five times, seen it more than ten times. One person get upset about something because something in the church wasn't going their way. Usually what it is is it's some woman got her husband by the ear. I'm going to take my husband. We're going somewhere else. And they go right out the door. And what God does is he turns around and sends three families in. Amen. Hmm? One guy sitting in the church making $90,000. And God has sent in three families making $30,000. Never miss a beat. And they got better spirits. They enjoy coming to church. Not constantly looking at the clock, wondering when's this guy going to shut up? I got to get up at three tomorrow. I'm about done. I, I know some of you really do got to get up that early. That's ungodly. You need a different job. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't mean that at all. That's none of my concern. I get up and pray for you when I get up and go to the bathroom. <clears throat> you know what happened? You know what happened in Jeremiah? Hannah and I died. The same year. The same year Jeremiah said it, Hannah and I went, I wonder how many preachers would still be standing if God started doing that. Hey, listen, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I think about myself in that regard. Less than faithful, less than faithful like I should be. And God let me live. Hey, if I can be unfaithful and God will let me live and give me another chance, Brother Clint, I don't think nothing about keeping folks here a little extra. The fact that you're ready to go home and I really got to get up early in the morning, you're going home to watch YouTube videos. Hmm? I can just about count the folks that's going to stay here in fellowship. It's so true, man. And praise the Lord. That's the way church should be, by the way. But anyways, huh? If God started killing the preachers that wasn't telling the truth, what they was just preaching was just, I just I'm just trying to encourage people. 
Well, encourage them all you want to, but don't give them a false sense of hope. Don't tell them everything's going to be okay in spite of whether or not they get right with God. And listen, if you're sitting in here this evening and you expect a preacher to encourage you on a repeated basis, but you don't want to get right with God, you got the wrong expectations. That's not the right expectation. I've, I've kind of preached this as though I'm preaching to preachers, but I told you at the beginning of the message, I'm not preaching to preachers. I'm preaching to a congregation. And I preach this with the, this purpose in mind, to teach you what you should expect out of preachers. You shouldn't expect a preacher to get up here and put a hickey on your neck. You shouldn't expect a preacher to get up here and constantly rake you over the coals, neither. We could make the sermon another 30 minutes just preaching on that. Some folks, they won't take preaching unless a preacher's pre raking them over the coals. Hey, you should be ready for whatever God's got in whatever service. Hey, if he's going to preach me a sugar stick, let me have it. I'll go home and get a glass of milk and wash it down or something. I don't know. But if he's going to rip my face off and hand it to me, let me have it, preacher. I'm, I'm going to grimace the whole way through, but let me have it. I need it. God help me. Amen. Yes, sir. That's what you should expect from preachers. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight. Lord, pray that you take these things and use them. God, Lord, I thank you, God, for the good spirit of liberty in here. And God, I pray, Lord, whatever God has done from this point forward, Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way. God, I pray folks' hearts would be soft towards you. And Lord, I, God, I, Lord I'm a feeble, frail minded individual, but God, Lord, I know that your word is true, and I know, Lord, that the word of God, Lord, works. God, if it's taken heed to, Lord, and even if it's rebelled against, God, it'll still do something. Lord, I'm reminded, Lord, I intended to look at it tonight, but God, just, Lord, you didn't, uh, Lord, get, lead me that way, but Lord, I'm reminded, Lord, where you told these guys, Lord, these prophets that are preaching their own dreams, let them preach their own dreams. And the prophets that are preaching your word, let them preach your word faithfully. And then you turned right around the next verse and you said, what's the chaff to the wheat? And God, truly, Lord, truly, God, there's value, Lord, and there's immense worth in the scripture, God, Lord, your word, Lord, is above everything. Our own desires, God, Lord, our will, God, Lord, your word is what matters. Now, God, I pray you help us, God, to live that way and think that way. God, Lord, thank you, God, for the truth that's in your word. God, thank you for the truth that's not just in it, but it is. God, help us with these things tonight. God, Lord, we love you. God, forgive us. God, Lord, forgive us for our sins. God, forgive us, Lord, where we failed you today. God, help us, Lord, to get up in the morning uh, roaring. God, trying to do something for you. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good night. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed.